You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to First Bite Part 2, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. This time we're not previewing Week 14. This time we are previewing again the Detroit Lions offseason. Last week we brought you more information on Robert Sala. This week we're going to talk about the guy who took him down on Monday night. Uh, My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the managing editor at PrideofDetroit.com, your co-host for First Bite. With us this week is Chris Perfett, our co-host and Adequate host of the POD cast. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm just here to take a break from cyberpunk. <laughs> just got to Got to go back in. Got to do more cyber. Got to do more punk, you know? <laughs> Fair but, enough. You know, it's football. The things uh, we do, the things we do, the sacrifices I make for the brands here at Pride Detroit. You are not a, a hero. Uh, and also a hero to, to join us and, and take some time out of his day to talk to us about Brian Dable is Matthew Fairburn. Uh, the beat writer for the Bills over at The Athletic. You can find him at Matthew Fairburn on Twitter. Matthew, how are you doing tonight? No, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. All right, let's uh, let's kick things off with with Brian Dable. Let's talk. Let's really just start with him as a person. Um, I, we we talked a lot about Robert Sala, and we see a lot of kind of sideline theatrics with him. Uh, I don't see think we see quite as much with Brian Dable. So, just you know, from from your observations, either at practice or during games, what kind of coach is he uh, on a, on a day to day basis in terms of just his personality? Yeah, you definitely don't see quite as much of him because he spends his game day in the booth calling his plays from upstairs, which is an interesting note, I guess, when you're considering a a potential future head coach and a guy that will probably want to call his own offensive plays. Um, He has had more success up in the booth. He moved up there um, at some point, trying to remember the exact time. I think it was at some point last year. It was kind of something he and Josh Allen figured out, you know, what worked best for them. And um, he likes it up there. It's worked well for them. But as a guy, uh, Brian Dable is, he's a, he's a good guy to deal with, um, you know, from my perspective, since I've gotten to know him over the last few years. I think the version of Brian Dable that the Bills have is a lot different than the one um, you know, some of his players might have had earlier in his career. I, I talked to Derek Anderson a few weeks ago uh, for a story I was doing on Josh Allen. He was the Bills' backup in 2018, but he also spent time with Brian Dable in Cleveland early in his career. And his thought was that when he got to Buffalo, Brian Dable was a lot, he, he wasn't as much of a hard ass as he was in Cleveland. He wasn't as, um, you know, he, he was much more receptive to feedback in Buffalo and much more willing to to bend to his players a little bit on certain things. And I think that's what 
Brian Dable would like his defining characteristic as a coach to be that he's somebody who will fit his scheme to his players and will fit his style to his players and really work to their strengths and take feedback. And there's been a lot of examples of him doing that over the last few years. So um, as a guy, yeah, I think that's, that's what you're getting is he's pretty down to earth in a lot of ways. He's a big time grinder, like, you know, a guy that will, which if you get to this point in coaching, that's probably, you know, something that you've got as a characteristic. He's definitely a hard worker, but um, a pretty low key guy. He's from here, not too far from uh, the Bills stadium uh, in West Seneca, New York and um, grew up here, still has a lot of family here. So um, he's definitely appreciative of, of all that. And, you know, what this, what this team means to this community. And I think there's a lot of similarities between Buffalo and Detroit, um, you know, in terms of the fan base and the, the characteristics of the community. So I think that would make him a pretty good fit as well. Yeah. I know when he had jumped, he had jumped around quite a bit early in his career. You kind of alluded to that. There was never really a place he spent as an offensive coordinator more than one or two seasons. You know, he worked with Eric Mangini in Cleveland. I believe he spent some time uh, with Romeo Cornell, if I'm not mistaken in 2012, I think that's right. And I think one of the things I know Jeremy wants to talk about is his Patriots ties at some point, but uh I guess my, my point is two. I guess my question is two point one. Do you think, you know, a lot of that he, he has kind of like why he jumped around a lot. I know you talked about in the past, maybe he was a bit of a hard ass or he saw himself as a bit of a hard ass or if it's just kind of the circumstances of those situations. And I guess the other is, and this always pops out to me is when a guy kind of moves from the NFL to college, then back to the NFL. Um, He spent, you know, 20, uh, 20, 2017 as the co-offensive coordinator with in Alabama, the quarterbacks coach, he got to work with some of those exciting young quarterbacks. We've kind of seen being touted out of Alabama in recent years, kind of taken over as Lane Kiffin kind of left, uh, left the door. And, you know, we've seen quite a few guys kind of come through to transform Alabama from uh, this, you know, slug of yesteryear into a high powered offense. Like what, what do you think he probably, what would you say he probably learned at Alabama that kind of just, he brought back with him to the NFL? Yeah, I think there's definitely some concepts offensively, you know, the, the creativity um, that you see in college, sometimes a little bit of, you know, some different, um, you know, passing concepts or things like that. I think there's also a certain, you're almost forced to connect with players a little bit differently in college, whether it's recruiting or, you know, the, just the, the youth that you're dealing with, right. The, the age of the guys, you have to kind of get on their level a little bit and be able to, to relate to them. And I think that's a little bit different in college than it is in the pros. Sometimes Uh, there's a little bit more of that. So, and he got to be around Nick Saban. Uh, That doesn't hurt. So I, I think, the fact that he's bounced around is, you know, it could be viewed, I guess, as sort of a, a detriment to him, but also like his, the places he was, he had pretty rotten hands, right? Like, I mean, being the offensive coordinator of those Chiefs uh, early on and, and those Browns, not sure too many people would have stuck around. There was a lot of people losing jobs. So um, it wasn't so much him jumping around as it was him probably taking the wrong jobs. And it's why it took him a while before he eventually got back in that coordinator spot. 
And it does seem like he reflected and learned a lot from the various stops along the way. Well, let's let's dive a little bit into his offensive philosophy. You, you mentioned that maybe he kind of fits his uh, scheme to his players, and I think we may have seen that already uh, in Buffalo. You know, last year they were kind of a run-heavy team that that was you know pretty successful doing that. This year they're they're pretty much throwing the ball all the time. And and I want to bring up a one quote that I thought was really interesting, and I think something that Lions fans are, are really going to like. I uh, said a couple of weeks ago, I think he says balance is important if it's working. If one of them is not working, then you better not have too much balance. You better do the other thing more. Um, is that what you see kind of on a week-to-week basis, or is it more you know year-to-year depending on the the personnel? And, and I guess if you had to kind of encapsulate his his scheme in in you know it's probably not fair to do it in a sentence or two, but if you if you could kind of you know put it all in together in, in one one simple paragraph, let's say, uh, how would you describe it? Yeah, it's. Definitely one where he will play to his players' strengths. So it's not what he does in Buffalo might not be exactly what he would do in Detroit. Um, Mm -hmm. It's possible. The personnel is not drastically different, but uh, a lot of shotgun with Josh Allen, a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of play action. You know, he's cutting edge in some of those ways where he will look at what works around the league and incorporate it into what he does here. But he's also very much the type of coach, uh, like I said, he wants the defining characteristic of him as a coach to be that he will mold his scheme around his players. A lot of coaches say that, that they're not going to try to fit a square peg into a round hole or this or that. But we saw, you know, I think – I can tell the difference because a few years earlier, Rex Ryan came here and said the exact same thing and then completely broke the Bills defense by trying to fit all these guys into his 3-4 scheme. Yeah, Brian Dable came in here, talked about that, and then built an offense around the quarterback that they decided to draft, which he was a pretty big part of the scouting process that led them to Josh Allen. And then he's year after year – changed things a little bit here and there. Cole Beasley has talked about how there's route concepts that he ran at SMU that he thought might work. And he brought them to Brian Dable and the next day they're running them in practice. Uh, and, and, you know, a week later they're running them in a game, you know, they figure out ways to incorporate some of those things and younger Brian Dable might not have done that. I think this year there's also, you know, a great example of they use four wide receiver sets more than any other team in the league. Why do they do that? Because they have good, four good wide receivers. Like it's it's really that simple. Like sometimes with Brian Dable, the simplest answer is the easiest one. Like you said, with balance, why do they throw so much? Because they're better at throwing, uh, you know. And it's more it's a more efficient way to move the ball. Um, but they're also just better at it. And so if a game plan, you know, if a matchup calls for running the ball, they'll do it. They did it against the Patriots because the Patriots are one of the worst. Run, run defending teams in the NFL. Uh, so they'll do that if they have to. But, you know, if they need to throw the ball 40 times a game, they're no longer afraid to do it because they have a quarterback who can handle it. And, you know, that's the big thing with Brian Dable. If, you know, he's going to cater to his personnel and he's involved with the personnel too. You know, he's got a relationship with Brandon Bean and Joe Shane, the assistant general manager. I think he mentions them almost weekly. Uh, in his his news conferences with the media where he'll give them credit for 
a certain player or this or, or something working, he'll always deflect credit to somebody else, whether it's his player or the people in the front office for getting that player. And he's been involved, like I said, scouting Josh Allen, um, Robert Foster, you right, might remember, had a, a big year for them a few years ago. Brian Dable had familiarity with him at Alabama and helped bring him to Buffalo when he was an undrafted free agent. So he's he's the type of guy that um, will, will provide his input when it's valuable, when it's needed, uh, but also you know, is also willing to say, look, I need this type of guy, go find that guy, um, you know, or, um, you know, work hand in hand and compromise and, and be a little bit flexible and malleable, which I think is a pretty good quality to have, especially in this day and age. I know one of the, you know, since, since you mentioned Josh Allen, I kind of want to focus on his work with, with Allen here for a second, because I know looking at people I know from, let's just call them draft Twitter have never really let Josh Allen go as this idea of someone who is just not developed. But I mean, I, I remember talking with another guy I work with, Jonas Knox, who said at the beginning of this year, like, look, through camp, Allen has massively progressed in his throwing motion, in his decision-making, and he, he's just he's he's massively improved uh, developmentally, especially this year. But he he has shown progress every year he's been at Buffalo. I guess I would ask you then, how much of that can you attribute to Allen working in in Dable's system, or is it more just kind of Allen uh, kind of naturally progressing? I think Brian Dable deserves a lot of credit for what you see with Josh Allen. Um, you know, I hesitate to give him too much credit because Bills fans are a little sensitive and that would mean I'm not giving Josh Allen enough credit. <laughs> you know, if you heap praise on Brian Dable, then that means you're not, then you're hating on Josh Allen, which I'm not trying to do. But watch some of these games. Go watch some of these games that Josh Allen's thrown for 400 or four touchdowns and check out how how open some guys get um, and and how, you know, some of the concepts they run that that consistently are are being called at the right time and and things like that. So there is an element of what you're seeing in 2020. Brian Dable deserves, you know, some credit for that. Josh Allen's hitting those guys. He's got a huge arm. There's some stuff that Brian Dable can call simply because he has a, a guy as talented as Josh Allen at quarterback. But you also can't discredit the fact that this is year three in the system with Brian Dable. Brian Dable was involved from the very beginning of the process. They fired Rick Dennison after Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean's first year in Buffalo in 2017. Uh, Brian, Rick Dennison was not their first choice, not their second choice, not their third choice of, of offensive coordinator, but that's who they got stuck with. They fired him knowing they would be drafting a quarterback. And they immediately got Brian Dable involved in that, starting at the Senior Bowl, meeting with Josh Allen at the Combine. He was on all those workouts you know, that they did. And basically from the start was there to guide him along, uh, you know, build a system around his strengths and coach him up. You know, They added Ken Dorsey uh, after Josh Allen's rookie year uh, to be the quarterback's coach. He's done a great job as well. Josh Allen does a lot of work on his own um, with Jordan Palmer in the off season. So there's a lot of this, that's Josh being, you know, personally motivated and driven to get better. There's a lot of it that is his natural ability and the natural progression quarterbacks go through in the NFL, but 
comparing him to the other quarterbacks in that class, he has as much stability as just about any of them uh, at that coordinator spot. And I think that's really valuable. And Brian Dable works with him very closely. Uh, You know, he, for his entire rookie year, it seemed like was basically his quarterback's coach because they had David Culley as the quarterback's coach then. And he had never coached quarterbacks in the NFL before that, before getting that job. So um, Brian Dable did a lot of that work early on, stuck with him. And you can just see the relationship they have, how much they care about each other. And I think that results in a lot of trust knowing his quarterback well to be able to call certain things at certain times, knowing what not to call, knowing what won't work and not trying to make Josh Allen into something he isn't. And I mean, Josh Allen's playing really well this year. He's, you know, a lot of people mention him in MVP conversations and things of that nature. So it's, it's been a a group effort. And I think everybody involved would say that behind closed doors and otherwise. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, you know, theoretically speaking, he comes to Detroit. You have to wonder if maybe he goes out and gets his new quarterback, his new project. Obviously, I think you could probably work with Matthew Stafford pretty well. But given that he's 32, I think, you know, that's a big conversation that if they bring in Brian Dable for an interview, I think that's that's one thing that they probably are talking about for at least half their interview, you'd imagine. Um, one thing before we go to our first break here. um, We have to bring up his Patriots pass. The Lions just got rid of a Patriots head coach. It's going to be a tough sell to to give someone that kind of came from those ranks. He's he's there three different stints, basically for about eight years. But you mentioned a whole bunch of qualities that sound like maybe he shed that Patriots identity, you know, that hard ass mentality, that kind of this is the way we're doing it and, you know, being very strict in, in what we do. Is it fair to say that he doesn't really have that quote unquote Patriots stink anymore? I think so. I, I don't. It's interesting. He, he comes from that background and he's, you know, certainly spent a lot of time there, respects Bill Belichick, has a good relationship with him. I don't always think of him in that light as a Patriots guy necessarily, but it's still a part of him. I mean, he was there a long time. It doesn't have to be a bad part of him. Uh, you know, there are good things uh, to be learned. I know not a lot of guys become, you know, great head coaches after uh, coming through there and or being the coordinators. But I also don't think he was ever anointed there as you know this next great thing. Like a lot of the the guys were, you know, whether it's Matt Patricia, um, Josh McDaniels, whoever else. He didn't necessarily ever get tagged in that way and never progressed to being a coordinator there. Right. So he did expose himself to some other, you know, coaching trees and, uh, you know, some time with Nick Saban, which is, you know, uh, also kind of a Belichick, you know, (laughs) pretty similar um, in in some ways. It's, it's interesting because I don't know. I've wondered this about Brian Dable over the last few years because his name pops up. And certainly this year, his name pops up as a head coaching candidate. And I always think to myself, like, would he be a good head coach? And, I think it's really hard to tell how a guy's going to behave um, and how a guy's going to handle being a head coach until he's in the seat. Um, we see Brian Dable weekly uh, in these news conferences. Used to, you know, see him a lot after practice and and stuff like that when we were able to be at the facility more. And he's a good guy. He's he's personable. Um, 
He gets along with his players. He's, you know, a guy that is real friendly uh, at times with the media. He's not overly colorful in his news conferences, but he's pretty good. But I never, I'm always weary of coordinators because it's like, why, you know, is the friendliness for an end goal? Um, Is it, you know, that's the way it always felt with Greg Roman when he was here. Like he's being, you know, Mr. Nice guy, but if he ever gets in the head chair, he's too much of a control freak to, you know, and that is Greg Roman to a T, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know with Brian Dable. Like I think he's a really, really good offensive coordinator. I think he's grown a ton as a coach. He's reflected a lot, improved in a lot of areas that he needed to improve on. And I don't know. I think somebody would have to be, it, it, I, I don't know if I'm qualified to sit here and say whether he would be a good head coach. It would take somebody sitting down with him through that interview process, seeing his, his binder full of notes and getting that feel for him like behind closed doors, because what we see in the media is a little bit different. And I don't think he's the, the control freak type necessarily. I don't think it would be a Matt Patricia situation, (laughs) but like I said, that chair can do a lot of things to people. And um, it's, it's sometimes really tough to tell what it'll do to somebody until they're actually sitting in it. Fair enough. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we are going to have questions from our listeners. So if you're watching live on YouTube or Twitch, make sure to send some questions in right now, and we will come back with more profiling on, (laughs) I almost messed up his name, Brian Dable, uh, when we come back. And we are back on First Bite, our off-season preview podcast, where we're talking with Matthew Fairburn, sorry about that, uh, the Bills beat writer for The Athletic. We're talking about a Lions head coaching candidate, the offensive coordinator of the Bills, Brian Dable. We're going to take your guys' questions now, and let's start from our Twitch chat. Um, A good one here. Um, Let's talk about maybe some of the guys that Dable would be able to potentially bring in. Um, We got a question about general manager. That might be a little bit tough for you to answer, but if you have an answer for maybe a general manager that he kind of worked well with or any coaching staff, you know, uh, obviously if he's on the offensive guy, it's going to need a, a defensive minded coach to help him out. So uh, in terms of his connections in the past, is there anyone that he's particularly close with that might be available to, to bring over to Detroit? I think the Buffalo bills front office is going to be one that, that people try to poach from here mm-hmm. pretty soon. And Joe Shane is the assistant general manager. And uh, like I mentioned, not only does Brandon Bean get a seemingly get a shout out every week in Brian Dable's news conferences, so does Joe Shane. It's always Brandon and Joe do a great job. Brandon and Joe this, Brandon and Joe that. I think Joe Shane will be a general manager here pretty soon. He was heavily involved in scouting Josh Allen. And I think, um, you know, he's a logical guy. Dan Morgan, um, their, uh, director of player personnel that guy has gm written all over him um i think he'd be great at it he started scouting with the seahawks and moved over to the bills uh, after playing for years uh, for the panthers so there's a two names there and you know the 
this idea of what Brian Dable's coaching staff would look like is is an interesting question uh, because he's been so many places yeah. and he didn't really hire this offensive staff. Um, mm-hmm. And he wasn't here at the start of when it was all getting built. So I doubt he'd be able to pry, you know, a guy like Ken Dorsey because Ken Dorsey might be the guy that takes his job. Um, so he, it's possible. Maybe he could beat him to the punch and say, you want to come be my offensive coordinator? Um, but that might be hard defensively. I don't know. I, I think you'd probably look at the Belichick tree somewhere. Um, Just bring Patricia right back, right? Like um, <laughs> there'd probably be some of that potentially. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could lure like a Romeo Cornell, um, you know, who he's worked Ooh. with in the past, who's actually given Ryan Dable some trouble uh, over the years um, when they've played the Texans. Um, He's a little bit older, but I don't know. That is such a, it's a really good question. And, you know, I'd just be kind of throwing out names and and guessing a little bit. But it's also a question that you need to think about because like I mentioned, you know, Sean McDermott had what, his third or fourth pick at offensive coordinator. Like he had a hard time building a staff and ended up working out okay in the long run. Um, But it's something you have to think about. You know, what's the guy's reputation around the league? What type of candidate is he going to be able to lure into working with him and, and, you know, that staff you build is pretty important. So I would guess that he would lean into the Belichick defensive tree only because it seems like that tree gives him a hell of a hard time when he's up against it. Um, he's had trouble against Belichick. He's had trouble against Cornell. Um, so I, I, I think that would probably be likely. I can't think of anybody on the bills defensive staff right now that deserves to be a defensive coordinator. Like they don't have that. They've shuffled through defensive line coaches. I mean, Eric Washington was the defensive coordinator in Carolina before he became the bills defensive line coach. He's done just an okay job. Like they don't really have anybody. I don't think that deserves to be that. So that's why I think he would probably have to dig a little deeper in his past. Who knows? Maybe he goes to the college ranks. I think you would see him go a little bit to the college ranks potentially and who he surrounds himself with on offense. That's, I mean, that, and the, that way the lines wouldn't have to change their personnel that much on defense. They got all these Patriots guys already. <laughs> Don't. All right. Um, let's see here. I've got a question. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I've got a question here. You want to do this? I'll do this one from. Uh, I feel like we've got some of Simon's question out of the way. We'll revisit it. I'll let you decide on that, sure. Jeremy. But I'll take the question from Loaded Aries, which I know we kind of touched on it before, but just kind of as a quick up. Uh, re-up for the question. This is from Loaded Aries. What is a quality slash attribute of Dable that makes him worthy as a head coach? And what's one attribute maybe that he probably needs to work on? I think the flexibility is one we've touched on, but I'd also, you know, give him props for his play calling. When everybody's looking for a coach these days, it seems like everybody wants a good offensive mind and a good, you know, play caller, a guy that can, you know, call the shots. And I do think Brian Dable's gotten a lot better in that area. And I think that's something that, you know, would, you know, help him transition pretty smoothly to a team that like the Lions that has weapons uh, on offense, he, he would, I'm sure make them a pretty good offense right away. Something he needs to work on I don't know. I think there's an element of like when you're in that, you know, like I said, when you get in that chair and you're not, you're a head coach for the first time, 
there is a CEO quality to it, a, you know, big picture leader. Um, and I think that's something every head coach, like he's never been a head coach. Uh, some guys like have done it in college before they get to the NFL or whatever. Being that type of big picture leader, I, I think would, would be a transition as it would for most. And everything that comes along with that being the public face, um, you know, daily, not just weekly, like Matt Patricia's a pretty good example, right. Of a guy that was sort of this media darling in new England had all these glowing profiles written of him because he was just that quirky defensive coordinator with the pencil behind his ear. And <laughs> he, he had a big beard and then he gets yeah, in Detroit and he's yelling at dudes to sit up straight. And he's like, just being a complete, a-hole and it's like that doesn't yeah, kind of like kind of like the old story about nick saban the apocryphal story about nick saban when he gets to miami and tells someone to tie their shoes yeah right like you have to earn that i guess for yeah. like it's not that you can't be a jerk uh to the media or like be a grumpy presence you know public facing and still be a good coach it's possible um but you have to earn it a little bit you have to play the game a little bit i think and it makes people, it, people wear out quickly. I think like Matt Patricia is a really good example. Like you have to strike the right balance. And I think Brian Dable is in a much better spot than Patricia was because like I mentioned, he's had some failures in his past that forced him to change how he is and, and to grow. And I think he would just have to remember that when he got in that, that head chair to say, all right, I don't have to be Bill. I don't have to be Nick Saban. I just have to be Brian Dable. And maybe that's all he needs to be to be a good head coach. And I think a lot of Patriots guys lose sight of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a really good point because I think people would, I, I think a lot of people, even in Lions locker room would say that Matt Patricia became a better coach after that year one failure here in Detroit. And Brian Dable comes with that part of his past already there. Like he's already learned from his mistakes, already improved, hopefully as, as a person and a coach. Um, but like you said, I think there's a lot of unknown once you get into that head coaching job. Um, I want to talk about maybe like some personal endorsements he's got. We, we talked a lot about Robert Sala last week and, you know, he, when Richard Sherman says something about Robert Sala, you, you pay attention. Is there someone within that Bills organization that maybe has given him, so, you know, a, a, a similar kind of ringing endorsement? Yeah, I mean, pick a guy on offense. Uh, they all rave about him, um, which is not, you know, it's not lip service after a certain point, right? You know, yeah. it's um, like I mentioned, Cole Beasley talking about specific plays that he would bring to Dable and literally Beasley and Dable that day got on the phone with June Jones, like the um, old offensive coordinator, or maybe he was a head coach at SMU for a little while too, I think, um, and mapped out, okay, how do I run this play? What, what do I need to know about it? Like, you know, and um, what other concepts can I run off of this? And, you know, Beasley loves Brian Dable, Stefan Diggs, who, I don't know, he's had some clearly you yeah. know, bumpy relationships with, I, you know, I'm not going to, I don't think it's all Stefan Diggs's fault, but like there's clearly been some uneven relationships he's had with coaches in his past. He vouches for Brian Dable. Josh Allen loves him. Um, you know, Josh Allen's not Richard Sherman, right? He hasn't been around um, as long as Richard Sherman. He doesn't really know any other offensive coordinator other than Brian Dable. 
but he does vouch for him. All of these receivers, you know, talk about his, uh, how f- he's fun. You know, they like being around him. He's a funny guy. He's, uh, cracking jokes. Uh, Derek Anderson would be another one. Um, that is a guy who's been around, seen a lot of coaches, seen two different versions of Brian Dable. So, sure. um, there's a lot of guys that, that really like, uh, Brian. And I think you'd get the same answer from, from Brandon Bean and Joe Shane, the two guys running the front office. Uh, I got a really good question from the chat here from Willie Stroker down. He asks, does Dable have any connections to any up and coming free agents that might follow him to Detroit? So maybe if there are any up and coming bills, free agents that, that might help out Detroit. On the offensive line, John Feliciano and Daryl Williams are scheduled to be free agents. Both have been good players for the bills. I think they'd like to have um, both or you know, at least one of them back. Um, so that would be a start. There's a chance that the Bills would release John Brown this offseason. It's not a lock, but um, they could save like $8 million on the cap if they cut him. And he's been a really good player here. So those are a few um, from his time in Buffalo. When I think about others, I don't – I mean, unless – a guy like Zay Jones really excites you, but um, <laughs> I think he's scheduled to be a free agent after this year in Vegas, but they got rid of him here. So of the guys currently on the Bills roster, those are probably the ones that that could maybe make the jump um, on the offensive line and then potentially John Brown, but that's not a lock. A lot of that depends on where the salary cap lands this offseason. Mine's definitely I- might be in, in the – in the market for wide receiver though. So that's, I, that's I've got a question. Yeah. I've got a question for myself. It's not from chat or nothing guy. Mm-hmm. I was kind of waiting to see if chat would do it. I guess my question as far as Dable would be is, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams looking for coaches coming up this season. What do you kind of see besides the lions? What could potentially be the market? Is there other places where he might have connections that might draw him to any kind of openings like say, I don't know. They're not open yet. Like the jets or the, or the bears. Yes. They're probably going to fire an Aggie <laughs> chat. Like I, I see, I see you there. I see you and hollering or it could be, or, it, you know, it could be places that are already open, like say Houston. Like, is there any kind of place that would have those ties that could maybe draw him in? Houston jumps to mind first. I was thinking about it today, reading that sports illustrated story on, on Jack Easterby. Um, they worked together in Kansas City. Brian Dable, I think, helped make bridge the connection to New England. Um, and so they're pretty close um, with one another, it seems. So that's definitely one that that I'm guessing he'll be on their list and he'll get an interview. And, I mean, at that point, it becomes a, you know, how do you rank the head coaching openings, right? Like, I think Detroit is probably a better situation in some ways, but Deshaun Watson might be the trump card. So um, that's one. I I think that one makes the most sense as far as like actual connections to Dable and his tree. I'm guessing the Jaguars opening will pop up at some point. Um, And so much of this will depend on, and I think this is where some of that will, will come into play. Like the Jaguars will have coach and GM openings. The Lions have a coach and GM opening. So there's a potential to like come as a, a package deal, whether it's with, you know, 
Joe Shane or Dan Morgan, like I mentioned, or somebody from, you know, Dable's past elsewhere. So that potential creates, uh, you know, some, you know, openings that might, uh, he might have some more connections to, but of the ones that are open at the moment, Houston is the one that, you know, sent some alarms off in my head. I think the Jets should be interested because um, they'll have a number one pick at quarterback and they've seen what he can do in the division very closely uh, over these last few years. So, you know, that would be one that that makes some sense. But Houston, he's definitely got the most ties to. All right, let's uh, wrap up this show. Uh, thanks again, you for, for Matthew for for joining us. Um, let me give you an opportunity to to plug your stuff here. Um, where can people find you if there's any more information on Brian Dable that maybe you've written about, or I know you have some colleagues over there at the Athletic that that cover the Bills as well. Uh, let's hear it. Yeah, I've written written some stuff uh, over at the Athletic. If you go to I don't know if you search my name in the Athletic and, and scroll down the page, you'll find some some stories that I've done uh, back to his. Josh Allen's rookie year might interest people, um, you know, some stuff on the concepts he was running and how he was developing Josh Allen. And there's some, some stuff from recently on, you know, lessons from Allen's rookie year from when I talked to Derek Anderson, that was just a few weeks ago. Um, and Dable was heavily involved uh, in that as well. And I did a story that I tweeted out today. This was from a few years ago inside their scouting of Josh Allen. If people want an idea of, what role Dable had in that and what, what he had to say about that whole process. Uh, you can find that on my, my Twitter page, which is just at Matthew Fairburn as it's spelled right here. All right. That's at M A T T H E W F A I R B U R N. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we are going to be back here Sunday night after the, the late Lions game between the Lions and the Packers up here on our Twitch page and our YouTube page, and then obviously over on our uh, podcast platform the next morning. So until then, it's chaos. Be kind. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today